You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Hello and welcome to Acting Up, the podcast that dives deep into the world of TV and film that highlights our people, our culture, and our stories. I'm your host, Courtney Wills, Entertainment Director at The Griot, and this week we're jumping into The Silent Twins. I sat down with the film's director, Agnieszka Smolczynska, also known as Aga, the Polish director at the helm of this riveting true story. I also sat down with the film's two stars, Letitia Wright and Tamara Lawrence, who take on the roles of two twin sisters whose true story is stranger than fiction. The film from Focus Features hit theaters nationwide on September 16th and tells the astounding true story of twin sisters who only communicated with one another. As a result, they created a rich, fascinating world to escape the reality of their own lives. Based on the best-selling book, The Silent Twins, it is a truly fascinating tale. So before we get into this, I just want to explain what a unique project this is, not only because it's based in truth, but because I think that it was handled with such delicacy. And I think that that sensitivity was really necessary to tell the true story of these two girls who grew into women and whose story for the longest time was kind of like folklore. I mean, I didn't even know halfway through the film the first time where to put it in my brain. It felt like I was a fly on the wall of this really peculiar but really interesting and confusing story that I just didn't really know like what to make of. I found myself researching the true story of these twins who were born in Barbados and moved to the UK when they were young and suffered really terrible brutality at the hands of their all-white schoolmates. It's hard to sum up like the complexity of their story in just a few words, but I'm going to give it a go. These twins were immigrants to the UK. They were bullied relentlessly by their classmates and ended up kind of cutting themselves off from the world by refusing to speak to anybody, not their parents, not their older sister. Like they were silent, literally silent, hence the title, Silent Twins, to the outside world. But when they were behind closed doors in their bedroom, they were talking up a storm, usually in this language that they created themselves, which was a mix of sped up Patois and English spoken really fast, but no one else could decipher it. No one else could understand them. And that's exactly how they wanted it. They would walk in sync, move in sync, eat in sync. And even though they were literally attached at the hip, oftentimes they would break out into these violent spats between each other, usually when one of them seemed like they might decide to talk or interact with someone else. The schools didn't know what to do with them. They were bullied so badly that they were released from school a few minutes early every day just to like try and outrun the bullies that would undoubtedly be following them. And eventually they were institutionalized. Alone in their rooms with each other, they would create these fantasy stories. They wrote poetry. They created characters. They had these elaborate imaginations and even got themselves published. So even though they were pretty mute to the outside world, their internal lives were very rich. As teenagers, they started experimenting with alcohol and drugs and boys and getting into a little bit of trouble. Nothing nuts, nothing insane, like petty theft of things like pencils and erasers. Um, they started a fire. Like they were definitely getting into mischief, but nothing that would 
ever warrant being institutionalized for an extended amount of time, which they were. I don't want to give too much away, but you can Google the Silent Twins. You can read the book. You can look at this really fantastic story in The New Yorker from a very long time ago called We Two Made One to get more information. But I was really struck by this film. I was very moved by it. I was very perplexed by it. And I wanted to find out from the director, you know, what her approach was, what her motivation was for telling this story and how she handled the delicate balance of representing these lives accurately and showing what was responsible for these tragedies, really. The performances by Letitia Wright and Tamara Lawrence were incredible. I mean, I've really never seen anything like it. And I really wanted to sit down with these two actors to find out how they tapped in to these characters and what it took to pull off these roles, which they both did just such a remarkable job doing. So if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend getting yourself to the theater and watching The Silent Twins, or at least getting your hands on the best-selling book, The Silent Twins, before jumping into this episode. Here we go. I am so grateful for you taking the time to talk to me today. This project was so powerful uh, when I saw it and really quite puzzling um, and kind of haunting after I saw it. I found myself halfway through my first watch having to stop for a second and actually Google the real life twins because I couldn't really comprehend that this was true. And I felt like I needed I needed to know first what I was about to see in order to like even know where to file it in my brain, if that makes sense to you. Yes. Yes. And and I read um, the production notes and I'm really glad that I did because that cleared up a lot of things that I think I was grappling with um, as a viewer. And that was, you know, it was a heartbreaking story. I felt just crushed for these girls that I felt like were failed by so many systems, you know, by society, by their family, by their teachers, by the people who institutionalized them, by their doctors. But then there was this other part of me that couldn't help but wonder, like, you know, is there something supernatural going on? Like it was eerie and creepy yeah. and, and like I said, very haunting. And I didn't quite know where to place all of that. But one takeaway I had for sure is that these girls were absolutely victims of immense racism and, and really yes. a tortured childhood. Yeah. Um, and I wondered for you, particularly um, coming to this as, you know, a Polish woman, like what was your understanding of that racism piece in their story when you came to the project? You know, when I, I remember when I, for the first time, when I read the story, I didn't uh, know their story. I didn't know about June and Jennifer. And then I started to Google the same what you what you did. I just started to read about them on the internet, and I found that in Poland there were some articles about them. And I was, uh, you know, I was uh, how to say I was uh, shocked, and I was really, you know, my I was really um, shocked and moved how they because they grew up in Haverford West, one of the most racist town in Wales during this time. They were also also one of the black family in the in this area in Haverford West, and I felt very 
very sorry for them and i also was so moved that they're silent what i understood and what also was heartbreaking that their silence was the choice for me and it was for me it was the response to the systemic racism at school that's what that's how i wanted to treat it that it was uh, that the the whole story and the movies about their response to the racism and they decided to exclude the same from themselves from the outside world because how the outside world treated them what i got to know also they were set uh, free home during at school five minutes before the when the school ends because uh, uh, because how the kids you know treated them and everything for for me for this was very i you know i couldn't uh, i couldn't imagine it and then i what also moved me very deeply that they stay inside and in their own room very strong vivid and they decided to completely devote to the art in some way and to communicate with the outside world with the reading communication and this uh, this what i found very for me it was very um, how to say very moving and very very touch i don't know if i can find the word but this is what i found uh, and also i started to read about june and jennifer and then but it's the that's what you have to know it's not that it's not exact their story this is based on marjorie book and that's what I liked very much in the script that Andrea Siegel decided to tell the story also from their point of view. And uh, for me and for Leticia from Tama and Tamara, we decided to tell the story full of respect and tell the story how extraordinary they were and also ordinary at the same time. Because what I didn't like, I didn't like that they were shown in a real life as evil twins and strange twins i wanted we wanted to tell the story about them as artists as uh, girls with beautiful limitless imagination and how they and how they decided to yeah to exclude from the society on this one level but on the another they decided to 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 write books and to communicate with the outside world with the books and they wanted they and they how they wanted to be heard and mm -hmm. how they wanted to be read and uh, at the same time they didn't they didn't want to be victims they wanted to they wanted to respond to this uh, racism which uh, you know which they had to face yes um, I think that the film, what I read first was a really extensive New Yorker piece. Yes, I don't know yes, if you read yes, that. Of course. And, of course. Yeah. And as I read that, like I said, I was halfway through the movie and really it felt pretty almost chronological to the movie. Like the movie felt like it was reflecting what I was reading, even in that article before I came yeah. to the book. Um, and then there were also pieces there that provided, I think, a little bit more insight and I grappled with all of the things that you just mentioned being very moved feeling very sorry for them feeling like they were indeed responding to this immense cruelty and misunderstanding 
and kind of excusing themselves from a world yes. that was so unkind to them. Um, but I was also kind of afraid of them, you know, like there yes. were, they were also kind of, you know, I didn't trust them with each other. And then, you know, it wasn't until the end where I realized, you know, and even in reading that article there, they elaborate more on this love hate relationship that they had with each other. Yes. And I think that's what felt a bit frightening to me. I think I, I emailed the publicist of this film halfway through and said, is this like a horror movie? You know, are we presenting this almost like horror <laughs> movie though? Like, are, I mean, I, it was hard to confront whether there was real mental illness, whether they, whether they were driven to a certain level of psychosis. Um, yeah. You know, they're quoted in their diaries as saying, uh, you know, she's not my real twin. My real twin died at birth. And this is some yes. imposter. And, you know, I'm like chained to her. Like they were victimized by each other. And yet yes. they also like loved each other so yes. much. And yes. it's hard to believe any of the diagnoses that they received from any of these doctors or institutions yes. who yes. got them so late in life after so much trauma. Yes. Um and it's hard to kind of reconcile that beauty that we see and that imagination and like the innocence of them yes. with these really kind of dark, twisted, troubling imaginations that they had. I mean, their stories were not about rainbows and unicorns. They were kind of dark and violent and scary. Yes. Do you think that that yes. art was a reflection of the maybe emotions that they actually felt as in response as well to their treatment? Yes. Yeah, I think it's very interesting what you say. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh, I remember when I was reading their writings, I was uh, really surprised. And it's uh, that I call it, you call it unicorns and uh, rainbows. I call it in some way naive and innocent, but also banal imagination. That's what I found in their, that, that their, their visions and their writings were very complex, were deep also because they're they were not only they're not uh, i don't uh, call them as a horror stories but rather with the huge somebody who is very sensitive somebody who had to suffer somebody who has a great sense of humor at the same time somebody who has to cope with the outside world and how you transfer tra transfer the your feelings and uh, that's what you see uh, and how you have to face the outside world into the imagination and into the writings. For me, this level of the story is also beautiful, but also very sad at the same time, story about young artists who, who want to communicate with the outside world and who want to, who, whose writing are not banal and are not pop you know what popular you know mm -hmm. what i mean in, the, in this mm -hmm. kind of the and this was for me because myself i found myself and also my collaborators when we started to read their uh, works pugilist pepsi cola addict discomania of course not, not the whole but the pugilist will be will be published now so it's i found it amazing for me, it was something what is was what was very strong, powerful, sad, but complex and deep. It's not uh, it's not only it's not only you know I wouldn't 
called it only horror, but yeah, that's what you said about it. It's uh, how they could, how the outside world resonate and their feelings. Uh, I think, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's very, it's very interesting what you said. That's why also I found, uh, I asked Basia Rupik to collaborate with, with us to visualize and to bring Jennifer's story to the, to the audience. Yes. And, you know, I know um, Letitia, I've known her for a long time. I've interviewed her through several projects. I think both her um, and Tamara were so fantastic. I mean, this film is brilliantly acted. Um, But I also know enough about Letitia to know that she wouldn't take on this kind of role without putting a lot of thought and intention behind it and really wanting to humanize these characters and I think that they did that I think that she in particular really did that and yet there still was that element of she's kind of scary (laughs) you know like they're they're kind of yes yes you know and I'm very complex you know yeah yeah and I wondered you know for me watching it with all of my background and what my focus is on you know the intersection of entertainment and storytelling and race I know what I came to with this project but I couldn't help but wonder what someone who does not have any experience in that, who doesn't spend time pondering the effects yeah. of racism or understanding them, like what a certain demographic of audience could come to come away from this with feeling like they just saw a freak show and feeling like, oh my God, those crazy twins. And I felt a little bit of, God, why do they have to be black? You know, like why, why, if it was, if they weren't, then this would just be a a weird thriller kind of, can you believe this thing happened? But the element of race makes it so much more intricate. And I wondered if you gave any thought to that kind of audience, audience that might miss the racism piece of this. You know, I, uh, yes, of course, we, we are talking about this with Leticia and Tamara and uh, all, all of this, what you mentioned, we are talking about this from the starting point, from the, from the very beginning, how we, because uh, you have to know this, uh, when, when we, I started to work with Leticia from, just the, from the beginning, just before I started to think about the movie, she was the, the person who agreed to be in the project. And that's what you mentioned. That, uh, w- but we were together. We are on the same page. That we, that's w- what we didn't want to tell. We didn't want to make a horror movie. We didn't want to show them as a weird creatures how they used to be showed in a previous works. Not, uh, of course, not in article of Hilton Alice on Marjorie's book. But there were some some uh, some another stuff and uh, we also thought how to present them in this uh, in this uh, in this world and what because it's uh, it's not only me telling the story we are telling the story and then when we are working on it we are spent because of the pandemic too we spent three months via zooms sitting in a room and reading together Marjorie's book, chapter by chapter, and to talk how we want to present them as a human beings, as a two black girls during these times. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, uh, this is the story about the response to the racism and how uh, 
that's why we focus so much about their imagination and their writings and their how they behaved in terms of the you know outside world because it was uh, it was very unique and powerful for us and this is this was something what, what we wanted to tell the the, about June and Jennifer and their response to the systemic, systematic, system, system, uh, systemic racism yes. to the outside world. And yes. it was very powerful because then we started to go with Leticia and Tamara to, into their heads. And we started to go into their heads and into their sensitivity and what they could feel from point to point and how they could want to be uh, present in the, uh, in the in the movie and it was very crucial for us and i remember that we are talking about this all the time not only before the movie but also during shooting the movie it was because we we decided to work like in a theater together like a team and this is our teamwork and then, uh, I'm very happy that they trusted me, Leticia and Tamara, because uh, they had to uh, they had to trust. And they when they looked into my eyes when we started to talk, Leticia said, "Yes, okay, you, we can do this together." Yes. Wow. Um, oh gosh, I had a question on the tip of my tongue for you. Oh, did you get any cooperation or insight from family? Um, you know, their real family or the remaining sister is Jennifer, right? That's who's still alive. June. June. June, June is still alive. Like, I wondered yes. if you pondered what the effect of a movie coming out like this might have on her yeah. in real life. I'm sure she's enjoying some privacy now. There might be some renewed interest. Yeah. Um, yes. you know, what is that? June, yeah. June gave her blessing for the movie and she's very happy that the movie is going to happen. And, but she wants to live in her pli- private life. And so we decided to respect this. We are, of course, uh, she gave the blessing. She is very happy that the movie is looks like this and how the movie tells their story and how the movie pre- represents their writings and their souls. But at the same time, she wants to be private. She wants to still, you know, she wants to stay private. And we, we respect this very, very, uh, of course, we respect this. We are, uh, she's, uh, she trusts very much also Tim Thomas and Marjorie's work. We're very close. So we, we just, uh, yeah, this is the most important for us. That's what she wants. She wants to live her private life. And, uh, but for me as a filmmakers and for us as a filmmakers and Tamara, Leticia and every, the whole team, the most important is her blessing. And as, as you know now, her Pepsi Cola addict will be republished. And also the, uh, and uh, yes, and now in a few days will be republished. And uh, also Pugilist, the Pugilist, Jennifer's book, which was never published, uh, will be published. So there might be a bit of a, a silver lining for her. I don't know if she'll get paid from that, but at the very least, yes, her yes, work yes. will be seen, you know, and read yes. now. Yes. Wow, that's really incredible. Um, one more thing, and I'm and it's not to be controversial, but there was a point, particularly after reading the New Yorker story, where 
they had talked so much about in diaries and journaled about each other's deaths that, uh, you know, when, when, when Jennifer died, I couldn't help but wonder if June had something to do with that. Does that make sense? Like, I felt like there was a lingering, like, you know, I, I think that said, you know, there was something like she, like she started talking once her sister was, was gone. And like, she was kind of free to live this different life without her twin. So aside from the obvious sadness, it was almost like there was a sense of like relief. Yes. And I wondered if it yes. ever crossed your mind in reviewing their story, or even as you, you know, decided to, to, to include or not include their, you know, her death, did it ever cross your mind that it was either suicidal or, you know, they had decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to go. Yeah, yeah. You're going to go. Yes. There is also an interview with Marjorie Wallace, which is one of the book of Marjorie's when, uh, when June says that uh, she set me free. And you remember in a, in a, in a movie, uh, but I don't know if we can spoil the story to the audience, but uh, yeah, June's, June is sure that Jennifer set her free. And uh, June is sure that it was Jennifer's decision. Because mm. uh, in, in the movie and also in, in the book is when Jennifer says, I'm gonna die, I just know. And she says, I'm gonna die, I just feel it. And for me, it's very beautiful sacrifice in the name of love because uh, she felt that uh, you remember there is also in the movie Wednesday if it's we can't uh, it's gonna be we can't go like this anymore when they sit in a broadmo on the on the floor mm -hmm. we, we are talking about it and Jennifer says yes I know no more fighting and Jennifer says yes no more fighting because it's also taken from their diaries and this is uh, a normal fighting and there's again a fight after this and Jennifer's, uh, and this is what is uh, Bobby's uh, story. And this is what is uh, the pugilist story when the Bobby is uh, sacrificed himself into, you know, give, when Bobby gives his own heart to, uh, to small Wayne. Yeah. It's like, and this is, this is Jennifer. And this is what, and I, for me, as a director of this movie, for me, this is a beautiful story about sacrifice and about the love which can set you free. And for and she resigned for herself in order to set free her sister, because on the uh, finally they decided that, uh, that the the prison is not only Broadmoor, the prison is also the relationship. In mm. and uh, and uh, when when Jennifer died and when June was crying so you know she was in 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 grief for four years mm -hmm. but uh, she knows that yes she set me free wow. and that's why at the end you know at the end that's why we decided to you know to to put this song because we once were two we two because this is on the grave uh, on the Jennifer's grave what June decided to put and now it was our laughing, it was our smiling, and now, and now I'm dead and you, this is your crying. And this is the part, which is in a song, this is the part which was in a Jennifer's diary before she passed away. 
Wow. Thank you so much for your time and your candor. This was a really, like I said, just a powerful, really resonant uh, film, unlike I've ever seen before. So thank you for thank sharing you your so thoughts much. on it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Courtney, so much. You, you take care. I hope I see you again. Yes, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Hi, ladies. Hey. Hi. Hi, Tamara. It's nice to meet you. And Letitia, it's nice to see you again. It's been a while. Been a while. My nice goodness. Yes. Yeah, so first off, I have to tell you, I don't know that I've been as haunted by something that I saw, learned about a story that was told to me since, you know, ever as I have been with the silent twins. Like it is so mind boggling, not only the brilliance and the beauty of your performances in this film, but the realization that it's true um, kind of made it all the more impactful and kind of stayed with me. It took me a lot, a long time to digest and decide where I should file this, you know, in my brain. Um, and reading through the production notes, a lot of the things that both of you said mirrored me, um, you know, mirrored my feelings. Uh, Tamara, you said that you were continually disturbed that this was true. And I really felt that way too. So my first question for each of you is how do you even go about tackling such, I think, a complicated, such complicated characters and, and mere, you know, paired with the fact that you have a, a huge responsibility to represent them as authentically and compassionately as you did? Yeah, thank you for that question. I think it's it's so interesting with 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 parts of stories or scenes that are really difficult. There is something I find useful about approaching them, sort of um, approaching characters like this, like technically as well. So understanding like the movement and the voice and you know the research and doing that body of work. But then at some point, yeah, you have to enter into kind of somewhere a bit more vulnerable. And I think um, we were fortunate enough to have each other and have a production that was compassionate and understood the, the, the need for sensitivity around this subject matter. And so I think, um, yeah, I think we, we had check-ins. We were, spent a lot of time, we spent every night together. And so we checked in at the end of every day. And I think, um, yeah, I think it was also useful after the project to, um, to decompress and we had a we, we both wrote a lot of poetry actually after the 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 project which i think for me helped to to kind of objectify some of the things that i was experiencing but um yeah i mean, i think taking care of yourself becomes quite paramount when you deal with characters um and stories such as this Patricia, how about you yeah it was about finding a team firstly that was that could be in empathetic towards what the twins experience. You know, it was important for us to find, you know, a co-lead in Tamara and, and how she carried herself, um, you know, in relation to the story was really important to you. And, and, and thankfully that was all in sync. Um, it, it's, it's a challenge, you know, you, we are vessels, you know, for stories and we try to do that as best as we can each day. And like, yeah, we tried to stay as connected as we could throughout the whole journey, and and that 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 was 
that was what you're seeing on 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 screen but yeah like we had many days where we had to just like pick each other up and 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 get through it because the reality of the situation was that we were portraying real women you know real stories and that was heartbreaking for us yes um i told aga that halfway through my first watch of the film i had to stop and and find the true story and the first thing that i read was a new yorker piece i think that was called the two of us made one because i just was like okay wait what am i actually like I said, where do I put this? What am I watching? I'm pregnant with twins right now. So half of me is like looking at my belly, like, you know, kind of creeped out. And, you know, there's a bit of eeriness and creepiness to it, especially when you don't know the real story or where the complexities are coming from. And I, I realized just how much care went into the approach from from all three of you, from both of you lead actors, as well as the director, to really not make this a freak show, to really not make this, oh my God, did you hear about this crazy story with these weird twins? Because it very much could have been presented like that. It could be digested like that. When I saw that it was a Polish white woman at the helm, I felt very uncomfortable but actually seeing Letitia as a executive producer, I knew you wouldn't take on a role or a part in a story without insisting on, I think, the dignity that it deserved. And that made me feel comfortable. But I wondered, once you understood what this was, what was it like or, or what was the task at, at making it balance, particularly working with a white woman director? That's a great question. From the very beginning, when, you know, I knew the story prior to meeting Aga. So when Aga came and met me and she brought the book and she said, I want you to green light this film, the the off the bat, I was like, firstly, I have to be involved creatively. And whoever playing who, whoever's gonna be playing my sister has to be involved creatively. Not only am I a producer, but also Tamara's also an executive producer. So we needed our voices to be at the table. We needed black women's voices to be at the table and we took that extremely seriously um so you know she knew she 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 was very aware that she was white and she's polish and but we but what what we found that connected all us all together was her empathy towards the story and her respect for our voices um and you know that was that's still happening today. We're still making decisions, um, executive producing decisions, you know, in the emails about the posters, about how the the uh, the, the videos are going out, the way the, the clips are going out, you know, what's being used. So that was that that wasn't a challenge because they were they were willing to listen and they were willing to give us a seat at the table and we took it we took it right to the bank and we just made sure that we didn't make this into as you said a freak show because that's not what they deserved i think the media really misrepresented them in the 80s and the 90s and we wanted to do something different we wanted to show their creativity their beauty we wanted to make the outside world weird and the inside the inner world rich and to to put a mirror on the outside world like wow you guys really messed up and you really lost out on beautiful um, human beings and beautiful creative minds that could be Nobel Prize winners right now, but you're gone, you're done gone and messed it up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can I, so just to like add to that um, yes, insanely beautiful point, I also think um, 
there's something about working with with someone that has a language barrier specifically that I thought was like very beautiful like because watching somebody that has do you know what I mean there's like a there's there's a gap between the, the translation and the understanding and so I think because Aga knew that not only did she not understand but she also didn't understand she worked extra hard to in in both in both ways and it was like really beautiful to watch her take her time to speak to us in English and to kind of communicate to communicate and I thought I, I learned something about the beauty of, of communication through her but also through this job there was like a, a um, yeah there was amazing kind of like um symbiosis happening there and she was very she was extremely open and and gracious to well yeah she was she knew she knew that she um there were things that her lens would never be able to see and she gave us the chance to um to speak on it daily so yeah that it was we were very lucky to have a director like her Yes. And Aga told me that June, June is a remaining twin, right? Yes. She's still alive. So she said that June gave you guys her blessing. And I was really concerned for June when I realized that she was still alive and this movie was coming out because I thought, how could the media not descend upon her again once they relearn this story or once a new generation learns this story and she seems to be enjoying a private existence? Um, I wondered was there one moment or one piece of this story that was particular, particularly important for you to, to kind of have her approval on? I know for me, there are parts of this that still are really disturbing. You know, for me, it's, I think it's the, the sex with the same boy part. And it's also the parents part. When we hear tragedy like this, it's hard not to want to place blame and say the school failed them. The, psychiatric facilities failed them their family failed them you know why didn't anyone help these girls so I wondered for you is there one particular part that's that was especially hard to get right or that you were especially uh intent on you know landing well with those who are who are still here that's an incredibly great question I think it's hard for us um as artists to point the finger um, or, or, to, or to say you're to blame or this person's to blame. I think when we look back at the story, everyone really tried their best under the circumstances that they were given. I think it, I think the, the prime, uh, I don't know, the, the prime problem is that you have two beautiful young girls going to school being picked upon because of the color of their skin and that 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 chain reaction their family can only try their best to 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 solve it as best as they could you know they try to protect themselves at, as at any means necessary i think for me representing june um it was very important for me to to showcase her humanity alongside her sister it's hard to speak about june without speaking about jennifer because they're so one that they're, they're, they're so intertwined um, but it was important for for her creativity, their creativity to be showcased. Um, it was important for, you know, the love that they have between them to be showcased and not just for it, not just just to be one thing. It's 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 in a way nonlinear. It's 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 really complex. And I wanted her to feel proud that, you know, it's not a direct depiction of their lives, but it's an it's an ins it's an inspired attempt to show the world 
what they missed out on in these two beautiful young women. So after, you know, hearing the feedback of her feeling that we, we, we showed the humanity of who her and her sisters, her sister, um, you know, were back then, you know, that made me feel very proud for her to give a, a stamp of approval means the world to us. So um, we just tried to show them as human beings, full rounded, um, beautiful um, human beings as everyone is in this world. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. Tamara, did you have anything to add before we wrap? Um, no, I think she, she pretty much said it. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you were you both were really exquisite in this Thank film. Thank, Thank you. you. Take care. Thank, Thank you. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Acting Up. Download the Grio app to listen to Acting Up and other great podcasts. See you soon.